was going right in, and while I was preparing for this Bible study, it was impressed on my heart that we should start with a session of prayer, all right? Just a session of five, um, five minutes prayer. So I want us to pray for the next five minutes. We're praying in the spirit and um, no specific prayer point. However, we are praying in the spirit to build our um, build our spirits. Okay, let, let me just read this passage of scripture that most of us might already know, but let me read it once again. It won't hurt to lay emphasis. So Jude chapter 20, I'm sorry, Jude verse 20, I beg your pardon. Jude has only one chapter, verse 20. It says, but you beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So we, when we pray in the Holy Ghost, what happens is that we build ourselves on our most holy faith. All right, so I want to spend the next, I want to spend the next um, five minutes just praying in the spirit and, um, and building up ourselves in the Holy Ghost, all right? So we're praying in the spirit and we're building up ourselves in the Holy, in the Holy Ghost. While I'll just play a song on the background and we pray in the spirit while the song goes on, all right? So next five minutes, we'll, we'll, we'll come back together. Let's pray. So what would happen if a generation embraced this? Come on, come on. Here I am. Here I am. We are building ourselves in our mentality.
we're still praying in the spirit um for the next two minutes two more minutes we're praying in the spirit strengthening ourselves in the holy ghost building up ourselves on our most holy faith in the name of jesus christ let's pray Father, we give you thanks and we give you all the glory. Oh, blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you again for the opportunity to um, fellowship together. We open our spirits to you. We rebuke any demonic force in the atmosphere, hindering the free flow of your word into our hearts. We rebuke in the name of Jesus Christ. We declare that the, your word comes forth with, with power and with simplicity. We declare in the name of Jesus Christ that questions are answered. We declare that understanding is granted. We declare that your spirit grants unto us illumination and revelation, that we experience the truth of your word in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. If there's any heart that is cold, Lord, let your fire, let your spirit set it on fire this, during the course of this um, teaching in the name of Jesus Christ. Let, your, let the fire of your spirit burn within our hearts and quicken us again in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. All right. So we will continue. Please let me know on Mixer. Um, no one has commented. Just let me know if you can hear if you can um, hear me clearly. So just drop a comment in the chat, and um, so I know we are together in this. All right. Okay. So once again, good evening, everyone. I mean, it's evening where I am. So just in case afternoon where you are or morning, good day where you are, right? So today we're continuing. Um, we have been we have been studying on the Holy Spirit, okay, for all through last month, and we're still continuing that this month. All right, and we've had several, we've looked at it from several, several um aspects, right? And and I'll try, I'll try to what's my joke? I'll try to. I'll try to go through the things we've looked at um, um, briefly. Okay, so we looked at, you know what, let me just, let me look through our, let me look through our, 
you won't believe what I'm looking at. I'm looking through our Instagram because he has all the designs, right? So I want to just make sure I don't miss anything out. Okay. So we started with, okay, we actually started with our fiscal meeting on in September where we talked about the spirit and the spiritual. And I think it's a classic, to be honest. Please get the get the recording. It's actually a classic. We explained a lot there. Okay. So we looked at the spirit and the spiritual. We talked about walking in the spirit. And we saw from walking in the spirit how that walking in the spirit is not some spooky, spectacular experiences. It simply means that if we are we live in the spirit, let our lifestyle, our conduct, our character, especially be in consonance with that of the spirit. Then we also looked at the economy of the spirit, how the spirit impresses things in our hearts and um, how he communicates with us basically and we saw how that god is a spirit and if we're going to communicate with god as a spirit then we have to do so through the medium of, of, of another spirit and that is the where the holy ghost comes in that the holy ghost bridges the gap between the between us who are in the natural realm and then god who's in the realm of the spirit so with the holy spirit we can hear god we can speak to god we can encounter god because of the holy spirit he is like that is that infrastructure that makes it possible for us to communicate with with a dimension that we are not we are not naturally conversant with. All right. So the same way, most of, in fact, all of you right now that are listening to me, there's nobody that's in the same room with me, including my wife. She's not even in the same room, room with me. All right. But we can, you guys can hear me. You can see me. I can hear you and see you if you turn on your cameras. <laughs> right. I can do that because of an infrastructure called the internet. The internet bridges the gap between where you are and where I am. So you may be in, in Abuja, you may be in London, you may be in Lagos or Afskets, you may be in Canada, you may be, you probably will be listening, maybe listening to this, to this on a podcast or YouTube channel much later, right? But you can hear and see me and interact with me because of an infrastructure called the internet. It is the same way also that the Holy Spirit provides that infrastructure for us to communicate with God in a realm that we are, we are not conversant with naturally, okay? So he, he bridges that gap and makes it possible for us to do so. So we looked at the economy of spirit. We also looked at the witness of the spirit. I so love this one as well. We looked at how the Holy Ghost communicates to us by via a witness. And we saw that the foundation of our Christian faith was is upon a witness, meaning the Bible says, the spirit of God bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. Okay. And so the Holy Ghost starts his conversation with us based on a witness. And when I said, you know, like the way we studied this, when we had this Bible study, rather, I said that if they read the real conviction and the real proof that you have that you are born again is the witness of the Holy Ghost, then, I, and remember your eternity hinges on the fact that you are born again, whether you're born again or not, or not, right? Your eternity hinges on that fact. And the validation of that, of that experience is, is encapsulated in a witness. If God can encapsulate something that serious, something as serious as your destiny, if God can encapsulate the validation of that in a witness, that means every other way, medium of communication he will give to you will come through a witness as well, okay? And then we looked at two expressions of, of a witness when we um, studied this. We looked at, um, um, what was it again? We looked at faith, but then we looked at, there was something, oh, Holy Ghost. we looked at something else, all right? We looked at, yes, yeah, spiritual perception, and then we looked at um, faith as two experiences of, you know, of witnessing in our hearts. And then after that, we had a prayer meeting, and today, here we are, we are looking at the spirit within and 
the spirit upon. And again, I really want to emphasize why it is important that we explore the, the Holy Ghost because, and I explained this you know, when we started this series initially, that this is when the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, I know people have different understanding about the Holy Ghost, but whichever way you look at it, we are in the dispensation of the Holy Ghost, meaning we're in the dispensation where the Holy Ghost is the, for lack of a better, term, um, better phrase, right? He's the active player in this dispensation. Now, of course, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one, but the person we see operates the most in this dispensation is the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, before in the Old Testament, before Jesus Christ came on the earth, um, God the Father was the one in operation. And if you read, if you study the Old Testament, you see more of the um, operations of God the Father, okay? In, from Israelites to the prophets and all of that, you see God the Father at play. And then a time came and after several prophecies that God the Son himself came in flesh and he came for a particular purpose and for a specific work. And after he did that work, he promised us and said, now that I'm going, the Holy Ghost will come to you. And he says, in fact, he said that it is expedient, meaning it is beneficial for you that I go. Because if I do not go, the Holy Ghost cannot come. And then he said, when the Holy Ghost comes, he will lead you into all truth. He will show you things to come. He will um, teach you. You'll be a comforter. You'll be your, in the Greek, alos parakletos, meaning it, it is, in fact, when I did a study last week, and I, I, didn't, I didn't share with us, right? Was it last? No, two weeks ago. I didn't share with us, but, but, you know, most of us already know that the Greek word translated comforter, right, in most of our translations, most of our um, translations of the Bible is a compound word, right? It's a compound word, meaning Alos Paracletos, and it's a compound word that comprises of seven qualities of the Holy Spirit. And what, what the, the translators even explain is that one word alone is not sufficient to communicate the depth of the, of the, of the original word. The, way, the only way we can explain that, explain the original word in, in, in its fullness is by listing out all the seven qualities, okay? However, most of our translations for simplicity just refer to it as either the helper or the counselor or something like that, right? So the Holy Ghost, um, Jesus Christ promised the Holy Ghost, and when he left, he, has, he sent the Holy Spirit. So for the rest of our lives, right, the only way we can be effective in our work with God is when we understand the Holy Spirit as a person and then understand the operations of the Holy Spirit, okay? And when we understand the Holy Ghost and his operations, it becomes easier for us to flow in the will of God. It becomes easier for us to flow in the counsel of Jesus Christ. It becomes easier for us to actively represent Jesus Christ here on earth, which is a, a major part of our, of our experience on earth, which is a major reason why we didn't just, God didn't just rapture us to heaven the moment we give our lives to Christ. The reason why he kept us still on earth is because he wants us to represent him and also colonize this earth for him. And it will be impossible, and I say it again, absolutely impossible for us to do that without fellowshipping with the Holy Ghost, without knowing the Holy Spirit and knowing the operations of the Holy Spirit. And while they are spectacular, by the way, I just feel the presence of the Holy Ghost right now, just talking about him. But anyways, while there are spectacular manifestations of the Spirit of God, right, yet we start with knowing the Spirit himself. So a lot of people know about the Spirit meaning they know the works that he does, they know the healings, they know the miracles, they know the deliverances that he, he orchestrates, but then few of them actually know the person of the Holy Spirit. And 
your safety lies in knowing the person, not just knowing what he can do. And, and, and this is one, one thing I believe we would explore at the end of this, um, this particular topic, all right? I don't think, no, no, not that I don't think, I am so certain we will not cover the entirety of this topic today. That's why I intentionally split it into two. So this is the spirit within and the spirit upon part one, and then we'll have part two next week. But for this, for today's session, right, I want to just lay the foundation and I really want us to discuss and interact, okay? So again, I am I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to make a promise that would be done in, um, let's say, in say 40, 40 minutes, because today's topic, today's conversation isn't long. But again, let's trust that I, Holy Ghost helps me keep to my promise. All right, so the spirit within and the spirit upon, okay? We're going to start with two verses of scripture, right, from the Old Testament. And these scriptures are prophecies about the Holy Spirit, um, and about a certain dimension, or a certain dispensation, sorry, about a certain dispensation that we currently operate in. So please, if you are, if you can help me read Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 to verse 27. Someone please help us read out loud. Don't forget to unmute your mic when you do so. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 and 27. Anyone there should please help us. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. Six and twenty-seven. All right, anyone coming to our rescue? Ezekiel thirty-six from twenty-six to twenty-seven. Yes, please. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Praise Hallel God. Hallelujah. Thank you very much for that. So in this prophetic um, utterance that Ezekiel um, was inspired to make, God was saying, talking about a, a time and dispensation that would come, and he, was, he began to talk about the qualities of our experience in that dispensation. So in verse 26, God says, in that time, I will give you a, a new heart. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Now, why did God have to say so? Because you see, one of the limitations of the old covenant was that, and, and the book of Hebrews explains this, is that the old covenant didn't have the ability to change our hearts. All right, the old covenant, the, the, the blood of bulls and of rams and of cattle and all of that, pigeons and the rest, didn't have the ability to change our hearts. It could cover sin temporarily. But if the heart that produces the sin was not changed, then eventually sin would surface. And that's why the, the priest had to make the sacrifices every year, because the engine that produces the heart was not, wasn't changed. Um, that produces the sin, sorry, wasn't changed. Okay? It's just like when, I mean, for those of you that, that have, have cars or, or have driven cars or spent time with cars, you know, you will tell that when an engine is bad, for instance, the car can be pro can produce some kind of um, produce fumes, okay, black fumes that isn't good. And as long as the engine is bad, right, you keep on producing that um, kind of fumes or, or black black fumes from the exhaust or black smoke. Let's call it from the exhaust. 
And even if you put petrol, you put good um, petrol right in your car, but because the engine is bad, it will keep on producing um, smoke from the exhaust pipe. Now, the solution is to change the engine. And once you change, change the engine, you find out that what the car produces will automatically change. So that was the limitation that the oldest old covenant had. It didn't have the ability to change the heart, which is the engine that produces the scene. Okay, so God began to speak prophetically of a time that would come that has now come for us, and He says, "I will put, I will give you a new heart." So instead of just covering your scene, I will change the engine entirely. And He also says, "I will give you a new spirit." He says, a new heart will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And this is the salvation experience that when we give our lives to Christ, God puts a new spirit within us. That's why we call the experience born again experience, meaning that your spirit, and this is a mystery really that, that we might not fully comprehend while, while here on earth. But the mystery is that while, when we give our lives to Christ, God did not patch our spirit. God did not do God didn't do makeup for our spirits, all right? God did not um, do renovation for our spirits. He gave us an entirely new spirit on its own. An entirely new spirit was what God gave us. God did not say, oh, the old man, you know what? Let me just try and fix you since I'm an expert mechanic. No, God gave us a new spirit, all right? And then he continues by saying that, and I'll take away the stony heart of flesh, stony heart rather, out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. Verse 27, so verse 26 talks about the renewal of our spirit and our hearts, right, <clears throat> as God promised. Now, verse 27, he now, God now goes on further, and this is where my emphasis is. He goes on further to say that I will put my spirit within you. So I want you to take note of the phrase within you. So in God's prophecy, God says, yes, I will change your own human spirit and give you a new spirit, give you a new heart. But I will not only, I will not end there as well. I would also put my spirit within your heart. Now, if you are a student of the Bible, you will know that this is a strange statement because all through the Old Testament, never do we hear God say that his spirit, never do we see or, or hear anybody that, that claim to have the spirit of God living inside of them. And again, this is one of the flaws of the Old Covenant that because and, and this is a ripple effect, actually, that because the, our spirits were, spirit was old, right, and our, we had the heart of stone, God could not put his spirit into our hearts, okay? Because remember, the Bible says, you only put new wine into new wine skin. So figuratively, let's say that wine skin is our spirit. So for God to put his new, his spirit into our, us, right, um, God had to change our, our, our spirit entirely and give us a new spirit. And with the new spirit, which is our recreated spirit, we now had the capacity to host God's own spirit. All right. So if, imagine if this was our spirit, right? Uh, for those of you on Mixellar, my imagine my hand right is up there, right? And then God comes and places his own spirit upon our spirit. Okay. So that is the way it is. And for us to be able to host God's spirit on us, then God had to change our own spirit. He had to renew. He didn't, he didn't patch it. He didn't sow it. He didn't do amendment. He, he took away the old one, gave us an entirely new one. And in that case, that is why we are born again. So Jesus, um, God rather here says that after giving a new spirit, I will now give you my own spirit 
But my spirit will not just be hovering around you. My spirit now will live inside of you. And this was prophetic to the dispensation that we now live in. Okay? And it says, I will put my spirit within you. And I want you to see the effect of the spirit within. Okay? And I, I, I may be jumping, going ahead of myself, but I think we should just, since we're looking at the verse, we should exploit. Look at it, what follows next in, the, in that same verse 27. It says, I will put my spirit within you. And then the next thing he says is, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgment and do them. So God is saying that when my spirit comes within you, the result of the spirit within is that it will cause you to walk, to obey me, to live in my, in my ways, to walk in alignment with, with, with me. It will cause you to walk in my statutes, meaning you walk in my, walk in my character, basically. That's what God was saying. So this already suggests to us that the effect of the spirit of God within us will cause us to walk in his character. And please take note of this because it's super important. All right. So this, the spirit within will cause us to walk in his character. All right. So again, I want to read verse 27. And I'll put my spirit within you. So take note of the phrase within you. And then he says, and you walk in my statutes, which I have translated to mean all right, um, you to walk in my character, okay? And then it says, you keep my judgment and then you will do them. Meaning the spirit within us is what will empower us to follow God and obey God, basically. You see, obedience, hi, let me just say it as it is. Obedience is a function of the spirit within you. Again, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but please, you pardon me. I, 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 I trust me, I plan this thing systematically, but I, I, I just have to um, say this as, as it comes in my spirit. Obedience is the product of the spirit within you, not the spirit upon you. The spirit upon you is for something else. Let's get to that. But obedience, when you see somebody walking in obedience and loving God and following God, is a product of the spirit within the person, okay? And not the spirit, not the product of the spirit upon the person. And by the way, let me just pause here to clarify that when we talk about the spirit within and the spirit upon, we are not talking about two different Holy Spirits. No, we're talking about the operations of the Holy Spirit. And that's why if you see the flyer we uh, put out, it underneath it, the, there's a phrase we put there and we said, understanding the operations of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. So this is not to say that there's a separate Holy Spirit that lives within us and a separate Holy Spirit that lives on top of us. You know, we're not saying that. We're just talking about the operations of the Holy Spirit. All right. So the Holy Spirit, so again, prophetically, God said, I'll put my spirit within you. And then you, it, the spirit within you will cause you to walk in my character. And it will also empower you to obey me. So that is the, one of the um, effects of the spirit of God within. Okay. Now let's look at another prophecy that God gave. And I started with the Old Testament so that we can see that these things have been prophesied long ago before we even experience them in the New Testament. All right. So please, someone else should help us read Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 30. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I feel so fired up in my spirit. I can't, I can't even say why. But Joel chapter 2, verse 80. Someone there, please help us. Sorry. Joel chapter 2, verse, not verse 18, verse 28. I beg your pardon. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 30. Um, please let me know if you are there. Joel 2.28 says, yes. Come, 
about after this that I shall pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see vision. 29. Even mm -hmm. on your male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Mm -hmm. I will show signs and wonders, displaying my power in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire, and the columns of smoke. Hallelujah. Thank you very much for reading. Um, <clears throat> I want to read carefully again from, start from verse 28 with the King James Version. I just want to show you um, some things to, I want to emphasize. So, no, from verse, oh yeah, verse 28. Again, this was a prophecy that the prophet Joel was inspired to give. And this was God speaking about a time to come, all right? And uh, most of us are familiar with the words of this prophecy, but I want us to look at this closely a bit. So verse 28 says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit, he says, upon all flesh. So I'm reading from the King James Version. Your version, your translation may put it slightly different way, but the, um, the message is still the same. And it says here that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. In, in um, Ezekiel, where we read, when God was speaking, he says, I will put my spirit within you, inside of you. But now, in this prophecy, God didn't say, I'll pour my spirit inside you. He says, I'll pour my spirit upon you. So this already shows us that there's an, there's a, there's an oppression of the Holy Spirit within uh, the heart of a believer. And then there's the oppression of the Holy Ghost upon the life of a believer. All right? So he said here that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. Again, this is upon all flesh. So my emphasis here is on, on, the, is on the term upon all flesh, okay? This is the dimension of the Holy Ghost that is upon all flesh. And before I even we continue in that verse, by, the, the reason why it says I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh is because up until this moment, right, the spirit of God was upon only a certain kind of people, not everybody. So you see the spirit, and if you check the, um, uh, the story of the Israelites and prophets and all of that, you see that the spirit of God was upon kings, the spirit of God was upon the priest, the spirit of God came upon the prophets, all right, the spirit of God came upon um, those that were called to minister in one way or the other. The spirit of God was also upon those that were called in certain specific um, areas of, of operation. For instance, those that were, were God wanted to, um, to be skilled, those that God wanted to um, deploy their skill in building the temple and um, in, in, in designing the things for the tabernacle. So the spirit of God was upon these people. But aside this select few people, the spirit of God was never upon any, upon any other person, okay? So you see that the general people or the, what we call the normal people, the lay, laymen, right? Didn't have the spirit of God upon them in the Old Testament. And so God was now speaking through the prophet Joel. And I, and, and I want you to picture this, you know, we, we might not take, we might not appreciate the extent of this prophecy because right now, we have all of all of it up for free, both the spirit upon and the spirit within. But I want you to just take flashback a bit. Imagine if let's let's say a church setting. Now imagine when you go to church, only the pastor could speak, could hear from God. Only the pastor could speak on behalf of God. That means just imagine that you, you for instance, you cannot hear God for yourself. You cannot communicate with God. 
and, and you only, only had to come to church to hear from the pastor or hear from a priest that will tell you, oh, this is what God is saying. And then imagine this has been going on for years. Let's say you, 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 you right from when you're a child, this has been the norm. And then a prophet comes and tells everybody that one day, a day is coming when everybody, the spirit of God will be upon everybody. It, would, it, it was a revolutionary statement and prophecy to even make, okay? That the spirit of God will be upon all flesh. And look at what he says. Um, verse 28, right? He says, the spirit of God will be upon all flesh. He says, upon your sons and daughters. I want to skip to verse 29. He says, upon your servants and upon your handmaids. Already, already in that society, there was some form of um, um, strata, social strata, right? Where there were servants and servants could almost never become free, free people except um, based on certain parameters. But yet God was saying that I will not, I will not look at your social, strat, um, your social status I will pour my spirit upon you nonetheless, whether you are a, a, a rich man or a poor man or a king or a, or a beggar, whatever it is, my spirit will be available to everybody. So this was a revolutionary statement, all right, that the spirit, for the spirit of God to be available upon all flesh, it was mind-blowing then. Now look at, verse, back to verse 28, I want you to see the implication of the spirit upon. Verse 28 says, um, let me take from beginning, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and look at the consequence. It says, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see vision. So the effect of the spirit of, upon, what some of the effects as listed here is that the young men shall dream, um, young men shall, sorry, sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men, old men shall dream dreams and young men shall see visions. Now look at verse 28. Okay, it says, I'll put my spirit upon all flesh again. Look at verse 30. It now says, and I'll show wonders in heavens and on the earth, blood, fire, pillars of smoke, and all of that. Now, do you notice that when he talks about the um, um, implication of the spirit upon, he talks about signs and wonders, visions, prophecies, spectacular things. He doesn't mention anything about the character. But when he talks about the spirit within in Ezekiel chapter 36, he says, I'll put my spirit, put my spirit within you and you walk in my ways. Meaning you walk in my character, you walk in my steps. You would obey me. But when he talks about the spirit upon, he talks about empowerment, things to, things to do, things to manifest. He talks about signs and wonders. Already, before we even go reach the, the, the point of differences, this already shows you the difference between, um, first of all, this shows you that there's a dimension and there's an operation of the spirit of God within the life of, of a believer as prophesied by Ezekiel. And there's also the um, operation of the spirit of God upon the life of the believer as prophesied um, by Joel, okay? And we see from Ezekiel that the spirit of God within influences our character, influences the way we live, influences our, our yieldedness to obey God. But then the spirit of God, the spirit upon influences the external manifestations of God's power, the spectacular um, um, activities and events. So it says you dream dreams, you see vision, um, there'll be signs and wonders upon the earth, you prophesy spectacular power manifestations. Okay, that is the, man, that's the operation of the spirit upon. All right, so before I continue, so far, do we understand? Please give me a thumbs up if you do. Let me know, I can continue. If you're on Mixlr, you can drop a, um, yeah, drop a thumbs up or drop a comment. 
if you're on Zoom, please let me know you have followed me so far and you understand up to this point. And then we shall continue in our adventure. Mixelar, I'm with you. I'm looking forward to your, to your comments. Just let me know. All right, following so far. Thank you. Oh, Lily says this is awesome. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else following? Thumbs up, comment in the chat. Um, anyone else so I know we can move on? I just need at least three people to give me a go ahead. Go ahead. If I don't get go ahead, I'll assume we don't understand. Okay, on Mixeller, Idara gives a thumbs up so she understands. So one more person to let us know we are together. Anyone, anyone, thumbs up or a comment or a go ahead or something, something. Please, if you're on Mixeller, drop your um, comments. If you're on Zoom, feel free to drop your comments as well. Okay, no other, um, no other response. Okay, so I'm going to move on by faith, believing that we have followed so far. And what this means is that we probably have questions and feel free to ask the questions when, um, when, when it's time, I'll, I'll make the floor open to us, all right? Okay, so let's continue then. Okay, okay, um, Mr. Shea says following so far. Okay, thank you, so I have three people. All right, so we're good. Now, next thing I want us to look at, and today's, today's Bible study, like I said, is I, I, I just want to lay the foundation, okay? So I want, to, I want us to see um, three dimensions of the presence of the Holy Spirit, okay? So yes, the Holy Spirit is present everywhere, but in certain situations, he's present in a different dimension. And, and I, I hope this is not confusing, okay? But what I want us to look at is, three dimensions of the presence of the Holy Spirit, all right? Remember, since just Christ ascended to heaven, the Holy Ghost has been released upon the earth. Now, when I say released upon the earth, it doesn't mean he wasn't already in operation, but I mean released in, in, in the um, context of the prophecy of Joel, where it says that upon all flesh are part my spirit, meaning everybody has the potential of receiving the Holy Ghost, okay? How, so I want to see currently on the earth, the three dimensions in which the presence of the Holy Ghost is experienced, all right? That's what I, what I want us to, um, to look at. So the first, oh, sorry, my, my, all right, let's just look at this. My, 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 my what's it called now? My um, presentation didn't follow the right pattern. But anyways, let's look at this. The first dimension is the spirit within, sorry, the spirit with you, right? Um, Give me, just give me a minute. I want to just clear all of this. Um, sorry guys, so I so it follows, so we are together. I mean, so it follows easily. Okay, so good. Apologies for that tiny breaking transmission. All right, so the first thing is the spirit with you. All right, the spirit or the spirit with us as, as the case may be. So I want us to look at John chapter 16, verse, sorry, John chapter 14, verse 16 to 18. Anybody should, anybody there should please help us read. John chapter 14, verse 16 to 18. John chapter 14, verse 16 to verse 18. Go ahead if you're there. 
Okay, let me read it. So verse 16 says, and I will pray the Father. So this was Jesus Christ speaking. He says, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So the, the, the intention of, of, of the time, time span of the Holy Ghost being with us is forever, right? Verse 17 says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, neither knoweth him, but you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Verse 18 says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So Jesus Christ says that the Holy Spirit, right? He says that in fact, as, as by way of, um, by way of explanation, he says that the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. The world cannot receive the um, Holy Spirit because it doesn't see him, okay, and um, it doesn't know him. He now says, but you know him because he dwells with you and shall be in you. So first thing Joshua said is that at this, at this point, at that point when he was, um, he was speaking, all right, the Holy Ghost was with them. At the point where Jesus Christ was speaking, right, Jesus Christ was telling them that this Holy Spirit I'm talking to you about, very soon he's going to be inside of you, but at the moment he's with you. This already lets us know that the Holy Ghost was not living inside the disciples at this point, all right? And the reason again was because <clears throat> Jesus Christ was not, had not yet died and made, paid the legal sacrifice and done all the legalities for the Holy Ghost to dwell in our hearts permanently. But however, the Holy Ghost was with the disciples. And this is so true even for the people of the Old Testament, right? And if you see several experiences that the Holy Ghost was with them, okay? And this also represents the manifestation of the Holy Spirit to unbelievers. You see, have you ever heard a, an unbeliever say, it's just God that saved me. I just I just felt something pushing me or helping me, telling me to do this. And you know that these people are unbelievers. And when they share their, their experience, you know that this must have been God. So how is God, how is God able to interact with an unbeliever who has not received salvation? That is the dimension of the Holy Spirit with them. So the Holy Spirit can be with unbelievers, right? And, and he does that to, to convict them of sins, he does that to lead them to salvation. He does that to show that he's concerned about their lives and the eventual goal is to bring them into the kingdom. All right? So that is the Holy Spirit with you. And for the disciples, this is what Jesus Christ says. There's the Holy Spirit. He says, but you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Shall be in you. That means at some point, he will, he will, his position will migrate from, from just being with you to, be, to living inside of you. Okay, and this now explains, you know, because someone can ask and say, but, but the disciples did miracles. The disciples did a lot. It was still the operation of the spirit of God with them. Okay, and um, with them and upon them. So the first dimension of the manifestation of the presence of the spirit of God is the spirit with you. And this dimension is available to every human being. All right. Is available to everyone, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, the Holy Ghost can be with you. The Holy Ghost can be with the person who is 
you know, have you ever heard testimonies of people that were drinking? They did not know God. They were drinking, clubbing, doing all sorts of rubbish. And they, the enemy, they could have had accidents. They could have been probably raped. They could have been um, kidnapped. They could have been stolen from. But yet, God protected them from that. It was the spirit with them. And most times, it's usually the effect of the prayers of somebody else that, um, that results in such short protection or such experiences. All right. And then one day you just had a person say, while I was just drinking in the in the club, I just I just didn't feel like it again. And I went home and then I went to go and pray and receive just into my heart. That was the Holy Ghost with that person. All right. At that point, when the person was drinking, and, and in fact, some people say that even when I was doing this thing, I knew something was telling me that it was I was wrong. That operation is the spirit of God with them. The Holy Ghost was is not was at that point was not yet living in them, but was with them. And because he was with them, he could convict them of sin. He could nudge them in the right direction. He could even um, release protection over their lives, all right? So that's the first dimension of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And this is what, in fact, this is what Emmanuel represents, right? God with us. And you now see that Jesus Christ came embodying that dimension. So even though when Jesus Christ was present, people were not saved in the same, in the sense of us being saved, in fact, including his disciples, they were not saved in that sense of, of having their spirits recreated, all right? However, they could experience God because God was with them. You get, you get what I'm saying? Because he was Emmanuel, Jesus Christ came as Emmanuel. He was God with them. So even though they were, God was not living inside of them, but God with them could heal them, could raise the dead, God with them could show you know, the kindness and the love of God to them, even though they were not yet saved as, as we are currently, all right? So that's the first um, dimension of the, of the presence of the Holy Spirit. The second is, is the spirit in you, all right? The spirit in you. And let me just read again um, verse 17 of where we just read, John chapter 14, verse 17. It says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, not, neither knoweth him. He says, but he shall, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. He says, for you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and then shall be in you. He, dwell, he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. So there's a dimension of the Holy Ghost in you the dimension of the Holy Ghost in you, all right? Um, and that dimension is a step further from, from just the Spirit of God with you, you get? Now the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And this was what Ezekiel was prophesying about, that the Holy Ghost would, when in fact God, God himself was speaking, I said, I will put my Spirit within you, inside of you. And Jesus Christ said, if you read verse Verse 16, where he says, I'll send the comforter and he will abide with you forever. So that abiding presence eh, that will be with you forever is the Holy Ghost that is inside of you. Now, the, the, the okay, let, let, let me just leave it there. The abiding presence that will be with you forever is the Holy Ghost, is the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of you. So that is the spirit in you. I Again, still in the book of John, just go a few chapters after to John chapter 20 verse 21 to 22, all right? John chapter 20, verse 21 to 22. 
Then said Jesus to them, peace be unto you, as my father has sent me. So this was, let me give background story. This was Jesus Christ after he had resurrected and um, he met, he came again to his disciples. So take note that after, at this point, Jesus Christ had died and he had resurrected. So he says, um, verse 21, peace be unto you. He says, as my father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed upon them and said unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. So after Jesus Christ had resurrected, he had fulfilled all, you know, all law and righteousness. He had fulfilled the claims of, 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 of justice, the claims and demands of, of divine justice. He had fulfilled it by dying on the cross and by resurrecting. So in this, at this point, he, he was able, at, at this point, it was possible for, for the Holy Ghost to now dwell inside the hearts of people, right, through the experience of salvation. And this is what happened in John chapter 20, verse um, 22, where we just read. So he breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And at that point, the Holy Spirit now dwelt in the disciples, okay? The Holy Spirit dwelt in the disciples. So there's, the second dimension is the Spirit in you. The first dimension is the Spirit with you. And the second is the Spirit in you. I believe so far this is clear enough. The third dimension, um, the third dimension is the spirit upon you. All right? The spirit upon you. And again, this now goes further. Um, you know, you know, J Jesus Christ said to the woman by the well that if if you know who it was, I asked you for water, you'd have asked of him, and he would have given you. Um, water that um, that results in, in that springs up to eternal life. So that he would have dug in you a well, right? That would result that would result, sorry, in eternal life. I'm just paraphrasing the scripture right now. So that is the spirit within you. Okay. Now the spirit upon you. I want us to look at Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. I will just read this quickly. So again, this was Jesus Christ speaking. You know, let me just read. Okay. Let me just read verse 49 alone. Luke 24, verse 49 it says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Look at what Jesus Christ said. He says, I send the promise of my Father where? Upon you. He didn't say I send the promise of my Father into your heart. He says, I send the promise of my father upon you. Again, the phrase upon you is emphasis and emphasis. He says, um, but look at um, verse, continuation rather, verse 49, it says, but tarry ye in the, in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Some translations say, especially NIV says, until you are clothed with power from on high. So we see the word upon, we see the word clothed. If you wear, when you wear your clothes, you don't wear the clothes inside your body, you wear it on top of you, all right? You don't, you, when you eat food, you don't put the food on top of you, you eat food and the food goes into your body. But when you wear clothes, it doesn't, you don't, the clothes doesn't go into your body, the clothes hovers your body, the clothes is upon your body. That, this is a dimension of the, this is another dimension of the Holy Ghost, that the spirit is now upon you, just the same way you wear a cloth, all right, upon you, that the Holy Ghost can clothe you, can, can be upon you, all right? And this represents a dimension of the Spirit of God. And when we see Acts chapter 1, verse 8, um, a popular passage of scripture, 
Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Listen very carefully. He says you receive power not when the Holy Ghost comes inside of you, but he says when the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you will be my witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, and up to, unto the uttermost part of earth. So this is this dimension of the Holy Ghost, right, is the spirit of God upon, is the spirit upon you. And clearly, in fact, from verse, verse 8, we already see some of the characteristics of the spirit of, of the spirit upon. Number one is that you will receive power when it comes upon. So the spirit of God can be with you, but that, that is not, you will not, you will not have power just by that. The spirit of God can be in you, but the spirit of God in you alone is not access to power. What gives you access to power of the that's dunamis now, the power of the Holy Ghost, is the spirit of God upon you. And that's what happens when we are baptized in the Holy Ghost. All right? When we are baptized in the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues, that is the manifestation of the spirit of God upon you. Do you understand? And then he says that you shall be my witnesses. So again, one of the reasons why we have the spirit of God upon us is for us to be witnesses. It's not for us to be having fun and, and dancing all around. It's for us to be witnesses and then says in Ju Jerusalem, in Judea, and then to the uttermost part of the earth. All right. So this represents three dimensions of the presence of the Holy Spirit. The spirit with you. And I said this is available even to unbelievers, believers and unbelievers as uh, alike. Um, the spirit of God with in, sorry, the spirit of God in you, that's the second dimension, is only available to those who are born again, who have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then we have the third dimension, the spirit of God upon, all right. And this represents the um the 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 operation of the Holy Ghost that launches us into experiencing his power and all the other dimensions like that. Now, I also just want to point something out before I, I wrap up these thoughts. Point out that in, in John chapter 20, Jesus Christ breathed, breathed into them and said, receive ye the Spirit. And yet, in Acts chapter 1, he said, you'll be endued with power when the Spirit comes upon you. This already shows to us that there are two, uh, two, two different ex experiences, all right, of the Holy Ghost. Because if they were the same, Jesus Christ would not have to ask them to tarry until they are filled with power from on high. He would have just told them and said, um, as soon as he said, breathe, receive the Holy Spirit, he would have just said, that's the end. You have everything now. But he says, no, for you to be effective witnesses, you have to be endued with power from on high. You have to be clothed with power. And he says, that power will come when the Spirit of God comes upon you. All right? Please, let me make clear again, like I said earlier on, this does not mean there are two or three different Holy Spirits. No. This refers to the, the operations of the Holy Spirit, all right, in, in our lives, on the lives of believers and non-believers alike. Okay, so this is the point where I stop and then I ask us a question before I take your own questions, all right? So my discussion question is this, based on all that we've, and I, I feel like we'll probably answer this, but I want to hear, hear it from you the way you understand it, all right? So based on what we've discussed so far, or maybe the dots that have connected in your heart, what is the difference in operation between the spirit within and the spirit upon? Let me take the question again. What is the difference in operation between the spirit within and the spirit upon? I already established that it is the same Holy Spirit, but the operation, operations are different. So my question to us now, and I would really love to hear us, 
is what is the difference between the spirits we between the oppression of the spirit within and the spirit upon. All right, I am waiting for our answers. Please just go ahead if you want to speak. Um, for those of us on MixLR, please you can drop your response in the um in the group chat. And I would I'll read it out to everyone. So go ahead. Yes, Joy, your hand is up. Please go ahead. Okay, so for the spirits within, mm -hmm. the spirits within enables us to live in obedience and to live this Christ-like life that we have received, to live in obedience to God and to live out this Christ-like life that we have received. Mm -hmm. While the spirit upon um, enables us for manifestations of power, which is for witnessing. Thank you very much for that. Thank you so much for that. That was clear enough. Okay. So that is one thing, one aspect, um, I mean, that's one difference. Who else wants to give us another difference or yeah, difference in operation between the spirit, the spirit um, within and then the spirit upon? Thank you so much, Joy, for sharing that. Mixelar, I'm waiting for your response, your responses for those who are on Mixelar. Um, Yet on Zoom, I'm also looking out for someone else. Let me see. Um, you know what? Let me stop sharing so I can see everyone at once. Okay. Who else wants to give us one, um, one other difference between the operations of the Spirit of God within us and then the Spirit of God upon us? Anyone wants to try? And please, no, no wrong answer. If Just share what's in your heart, whether you think it is correct or not. Just share, and then we'll all learn together. Anyone? I'm tempted to call someone. I'm tempted to call someone, someone from, from Mix, from Zoom, sorry. Um, um, Sister Toby Loba, do you want to help us with an answer? What is, what is a difference that you, you think or you understand? between the operations of the spirit of God within us and the spirit of God um, upon us. Sister Toby Loba, you, um, over to you. Don't forget to unmute your mic so we can hear you. Are you there? Uh-oh. Okay, not there. Um, who else, who was, who is coming to our rescue? Anyone else? Anyone else? <clears throat> um, I see Sister Tolulope. Tolulope, yes. Um, you want to share with us one difference that you understand so far from what we said, and then maybe from previous studies, what is one difference that you can say between the Spirit of God, between the operations of the Spirit of God within us and upon us? Um, Tolulope, don't forget to unmute your mic, please. Um, are you there? Can you, Sister Tolope, are you there? Okay, no response. All right, let me check our Zoom, sorry, our mixed up people. Um, no response as well. Okay, interesting. All right, so one, I mean, based on what Faith has said, and which very accurate, right, the Spirit of God within us helps us um, 
the spirit of God within us. Okay, oh no, so your hand is up. I'll call it just a minute. The spirit of God within us helps us um, walk in the character of God and obey him while the spirit of God upon us helps us demonstrate his power. All right, brother Nunn, so please go ahead and share. Okay, so um, I want to also bring in a difference in the area of sonship. Okay. The, the spirit of God within us is what makes us the sons of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is what makes us born again. That yep. is the seal of the promise that we have, that we are mm-hmm. children of God. So the spirit of God upon us, the spirit of God can actually come upon someone, even upon unbelievers, mm-hmm. like we see in the Old Testament and all that, for a particular task, for a particular purpose. And once that is done, the spirit is lifted, not mm-hmm. dwelling in that person. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's, that's, uh, that's the difference I also want to like mention about the place of sonship. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. And this is, this is so powerful. Thank you very much. You see, we are sons of God because we have the spirit of God living inside of us. And as we were speaking, the scripture that came to my mind is Romans chapter 8, verse um, 9, I believe, that says, whoever does not have the spirit of Christ is none of his. So the spirit of God within us is what makes us sons of God. All right? The spirit of God upon us, just like he has said, is not the evidence of sonship. And if you read Old Testament, you see, um, um, you see kings that God used even though they did not know God, they did not honor God, they don't respect God, but God decided to still use them nonetheless. All right, so we cannot base external manifestations as the evidence of sonship. Thank you very much. Toby Loba, your hand was up. Um, please go ahead. Yeah, my apologies. I was on a call earlier. Good okay, evening, that's fine. Pastor. Okay, so um, the way I understand, I wasn't in the class from the start of the of this lesson. So the way I understand it is, the spirit of God upon us mm-hmm. is more like a witness unto other people, right? And like there's a scripture that talks about, you know, the when men see your good work, they will glorify your father that is in heaven. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a place of the one in us also displaying that part. But most times it comes from the one that is upon us, first of all, you know, yeah. that is visible to everybody to see. And then that's what people would make a witness of. That's what people would testify us. The one mm. within us sort of just, I believe it sort of just energizes us and sort of just keeps us in check. And, and so the one within us is more like the relationship checker, you know, mm. tracking us, you know, for every stage we are going through, for every um, phase we are going through and for every scenario we probably we experience in life. You know, mm-hmm. that's the spirit of God testifying and witnessing to us and, you know, there's also, the, I feel like that's where also our conscience also comes to play because the mm-hmm. spirit of God also inter, interchangeably works alongside our conscience as well. But the one upon us is the witness unto many others uh, that people will be able to testify and say that they see the good work, you know, of, of God in us and then they're glorifying the Father in heaven. I hope I made sense. Yep, I'm already clapping. That's awesome. Thank you very much. That was <laughs> very you. well put, right? So the spirit of God, and I'm just retracing what he said. The spirit of God within us is is an inner witness for us. The spirit of God upon us is to witness to other people, simply put. And that's very powerful. And and I'm really happy that we we are understanding this. And I think it's very powerful because um, um, it's it's just powerful to understand the the different operations. I'm tempted 
I'm refraining from going into details of, for next week. But thank you everyone for sharing um, the spirit of God upon us, the spirit of God within us, have their different dimensions. And I like when, what you said, Tobiloba, that the spirit of God within us is the relationship checker. Meaning that the, what, what, how you check your relationship with God is the spirit of God within you, not the manifestation of the Holy Ghost upon you. Meaning somebody can be prophesying and giving word of knowledge, doing miracles, and yet the, his relationship with the Holy Ghost is hanging in limbo. But there could be external manifestations. So you don't judge, manifest, you don't use manifestations rather to measure or to judge your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You use this, check your, the spirit of God within your heart to measure that. All right, thank you very much, everyone. This is so powerful and I've been blessed by your contributions. God bless you all. Um, I guess in conclusion, I'll just take any question, anyone with any question at this point in time, please go ahead and drop your question before we go. Anyone with any question um, for us? Something we, something I said, something we learned or something that really popped up in your mind and you want to ask about it. Please go ahead um, to ask your question. If you're on Mixlr, please drop your question in the comments for those of us on Mixlr rather. Um, if you're on Zoom, you can just indicate and ask your question. Anyone, anyone? Okay, um, I think my question is with respect to the spirit of God within us, right? Mm -hmm. I, I went through a, a phase recently and you know, I started asking God, okay, well, why, at what point did the Holy Spirit go quiet? You know, <laughs> for me, for me to have made such a, you know, a mistake or an error and I did not, I mean, it was afterwards, you know, I said, you know, retracing and I'm like, okay, but the Holy Spirit, you said, you did not tell me at some point or you did not give yeah. me a nod. I mean, I would say he did not give me a nod, but I was just like, is there, does, does it seem or appear like we have a limit or we sort of control the limit with which the Holy Spirit can express itself within us? I don't know if you get that question. Yep, 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 I do. So the, the simple answer is yes. And the reason is because, you see, the Holy Spirit, um, let, let me put it in, in our human language, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman or is a gentle person, meaning that he will only occupy the extent of your heart that you have made available to him. And he would only bring up his own promptings and suggestions to the degree that you are sensitive to him. Okay, and this is why sensitivity in the spirit is super important. And sensitivity doesn't, doesn't mean you're always doing like this. Uh, I need to hear God. I'm sorry for those of you on mixer like that can't see me, but it doesn't mean you are always trying to work on eggshells. No, sensitivity simply means that you are you are proactive in inquiring of the Holy Spirit. You know, with my little work right with God, right, and from what I've seen, even from other people's testimonies, you are less likely to make a mistake if you are proactive to ask God about it. You know, there are some times when you just assume that this is the right step to take and you just move on, just flow with that assumption. Sometimes you are correct, but other times you could be wrong. The more we ask the Holy Spirit for his opinion in things, even in things that are very are seemingly simple, right? The more, the more we ask him, the more he's, more he's inclined, rather, the more he's inclined to responding to us in times when we don't ask him. You know what I'm saying? Let me take that again. The more we ask the Holy Spirit for his opinion about things, 
the more he's inclined to give his opinion, even when we don't ask of it. It's like a, it's like a friend you just meet and you make a decision without the friend's opinion. The friend just says, oh, okay, the person doesn't want me to tell him, even though the friend can be dead, but the friend will just assume you don't want, your, you don't want his or her opinion. But the moment you now ask and say, oh, maybe your friend's name is James. You now say, oh, James, what do you think about this? The next time you come and say, oh, James, what do you think about this? And when he gives you his opinion, you factor it in your decision and you do that constantly. He will now, that your friend will now become confident in giving you a, an opinion, even the times when you don't ask him. So it's very similar to the operations of the Holy Spirit. So yes, there are times where the Holy Spirit will not bother you bringing up a suggestion or up until you ask him and not just asking him. You know, you can, someone can just say, Holy Spirit, what do you think? You've already made up your mind to pick, let's say the red or let's say made up your mind to go left. Then for, for formalities, you just say, Holy Spirit, what do you think, sir? But in your mind, you have already made up, you decided to go left. No, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about genuinely asking him and waiting for his opinion, all right? So when you do that, it becomes easier for him in other instances to now give you his opinion when you don't ask of it. The exception in cases like this is when the danger is, is really, really risky. And then he will bulldoze through you and out of his love, um, rescue you. Hope that makes sense. Yes, it does. Thank you. Okay. Thank God. Um, um, Ore Oluwa says in Mixelar um, that please, you mentioned that unbelievers can operate the spirit upon. He says, can you explain further? Okay, very simple, very simple explanation. So cast your mind back to the Old Testament and just really realize that everybody in the Old Testament were quote unquote unbelievers in some sense. Yes, in, in they were called of God, okay, to they were called of God to perform certain functions, all right? But they were not believers in, in the sense of having the Holy Spirit living inside of them. So it is in the same way that even right now, as we are today in this dispensation, that there are certain unbelievers that, that God, ha God has found appropriate to use in certain contexts. So let me, let me give an example. Um, for instance, if God wants to execute his, his, his purpose in a state, no, let's not even go too far. Let's say in a company, right? God wants to execute his purpose in a company. It is possible for the spirit of God to move the, move the CEO or the lead person of that company to take certain decisions and to make certain, make certain steps, all right? In alignment with God's will. That is the operation of the spirit of God upon that person. The spirit of God upon the person is to perform a specific task. And I guess this is one emphasis we should have in mind. The spirit of God upon the person is to perform a specific task, all right? It doesn't mean the person is saved or born again or anything like that. But because of the strategic um, positioning of that person, God can release his spirit upon that person to propel him and to influence him to do certain things, all right? So when you talk about the spirit of God upon, have, bear in mind influence. Just think about influence. That the spirit of God can influence somebody to do a particular thing. It doesn't mean the person is saved or born again. That is the operations of the spirit of God up, upon that person. So in that sense, yes, the spirit of God can be upon an unbeliever, but it is typically for a specific task. All right? I hope that makes sense. And if you read, read, uh, if you read Isaiah chapter 45, when I, um, um, God was talking about Cyrus, right? Whose hand have I, hold, um, or have I taken hold of? Right? He will do this and all of that. Cyrus was a pagan king. Cyrus didn't know God. Cyrus wasn't an Israelite. 
but because of his strategic position, and also I believe because of the simplicity or the willingness of his heart, the Spirit of God was able to be upon him to perform a specific task. All right. So I hope that answers your question. Please, if it does, let me know. If it does or it doesn't, let me know in the comment section in Mixella. All right. So we are going to end now. Um, I hope. Is there any other question? I, I mean, before we run off. Okay. No other question. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Please, um, before we go, is there anybody joining us for the very first time? Um, joining us for the very first time today. Please let us know in the, um, let us know if you're on Mixlr or if you're on Zoom, please do let us know if you're joining us for the very first time. Okay, I see your comment, Aurelua. Um, your question has been answered, thank you. So anyone joining us for the very first time, should please let us know, indicate so that we can welcome you properly. You can drop a comment in the chats or indicate on Zoom. All right, while we're doing that, let's say a word of prayer to um, wrap up. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for, for um, today's Bible study. We are really excited. We, we, are, we are excited about the things you are teaching us. And we're excited about how you are helping us through this understanding and revelation to partner with your spirit. We say thank you and we say thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that this week and even further on, help us to be sensitive to, <clears throat> to the operations of your spirit in us, upon us, with us, in the name of Jesus Christ. That again, as we meet next week, we will have testimonies based on this study. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen, amen. All right, um, just a few announcements before we go. Number one is, please, we are in need of um, digital media um, volunteers. So people that will help us with our social media, with designing our content, with creating, with creating content, just if you're willing, and if you're willing and or knowledgeable in this area, please reach out to me personally or just drop a comment in, the, in our WhatsApp group and um, I, would, I would reach out to you myself. Or if you are, in fact, if you, if, you are, if you are willing now, you can just drop your name or phone number or something, I can reach out to you directly in the chats, all right? So that's first, first announcement. We need people that, are, that will help us volunteer for our for our mixer and um, and sorry, for, well, sorry for our digital digital um, representations. Okay. Second announcement is that okay. Do we have? If you stay in Abuja, please just reach out to me directly. Also, um, there's something we're planning, and I need people um, that, that stay in Abuja. So please, if you stay in Abuja, just reach out to me directly, and I'll take the conversation from there. All right. Thank you very much. Okay, we have a last minute question. Do we have any control over the operations of the spirit upon us? Yes, the answer is yes. You have a control, you have control. You can either yield to it or not yield to it. So yes, you have, con you have control over the operations of the spirit of God upon you. The Bible says that the, um, okay, well, to, let, me, let me say this. The Bible says that the spirit of the, subject, of the prophet is subject to the prophet, all right? And, um, while that that talks that talks about the operations of the spirit of God upon us. So you remember when, when we say upon us, we're not just talking about upon our flesh as it were, we're talking about upon our spirit as well. Okay, but the manifestations and the expressions happen through our flesh, right? But to answer the questions, yes, you have control over these operations of the spirit upon you. The Holy Ghost is not a tyrant, he's not 
like the devil that possesses people and they can't control it. No, the Holy Spirit influences, all right? And you can decide to yield to the influence or not. So the answer to your question is yes. All right, so thank you everyone. Have a wonderful night or uh, day or morning as the case may be. Um, I'm gonna end the recording right away. <laughs>